Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm seated uh, uh, diagonal from Matt Kirshen. Hey. Sorry again, guys, about the delays this summer. This has been the, uh, our worst summer schedule-wise about getting regular episodes out. <laughs> Andy's got himself a job. Uh, some what? Andy's got himself a job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean... I feel like it's all about me. Yeah, it's not just the job. It's also I had to go to Portland for a couple weeks. Um, but as of tomorrow morning, I'm totally free and uh, will be... I keep saying this, but we'll be back on a once a week schedule soon. I, I promise. I think. I hope. We'll see. <laughs> and we're joined by the wonderful all the way from across the other. Are they both ponds? Are they ponds in both directions? Yeah, it's a bigger pond. A bigger pond from the so the, diagonally across a pond, like across and down from a pond. The nearer pond to us, all the way from Australia. Steel Saunders is with us. Hey, you guys! I love an opening podcast apology. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Well, I feel like I, I can see the. If you look at our lips in history, you can see like the spikes when episodes drop, and mm-hmm. it was just like clockwork for four years, then just just chaos the last yeah, yeah, yeah. three months. And like, oh, this is not. Everyone deserved better than this. But I, and there's also that thing of like, I'm sorry, guys, we're just busy doing a thing, and if you're going to complain about it, then it's free content on the internet, you ungrateful <laughs> podcast. Like, it's just we can turn so quickly. Right, right. I mean, I, I it's easy to to go that route, but like, then again. People have set up like monthly donations and stuff. And yeah, like, well, so hey. we're like, we do owe people, and we're going to yeah. put out. I think I think we're going to try and put up, a, let's put out a few bonus episodes as well. Oh, we should do that. And, and I, we keep talking about doing the um... oh, donations. Oh, you are horrible people. <laughs> I know. Well, what do you do uh, with your uh, I love Green Guide letters and Steel Wars podcasts? <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, we have like a Bandcamp thing where people get bonus content oh, and cool. all that sort of stuff. So. And for those people, if anything goes wrong, I always apologize to them. Mm-hmm. But to the freeloaders, the freeloaders, they can just enjoy the barrenness of the internet. <laughs> and maybe there's Steel something. Saunders, enjoy the barrenness. <laughs> there's so probably there's something to the psychology of something that that drops irregularly. Like, aren't there experiments where they have like mice that hit a thing, and and sometimes they get a treat and sometimes they don't and that makes them addicted to it kind of like the way we are with our with our phones we keep checking them because it's it's intermittent and if it was a regular feedback thing then you'd be less hooked on it so maybe we're making people more hooked because they're just refreshing every day to see if i don't know if we set up like two separate labs uh-huh. with two separate mice okay and we play the podcast two, two to podcasts, them the same podcast at different intervals yeah, to yeah. Two different mice. well i wonder if do we have the ability through our various mediums of propagating this podcast to like send different versions to different people so we send like the full podcast to like half the country no i'm not interested in people mice mice. Mice. okay we're sending it to mice mice specifically mice who who are podcast fans Mm. we're already listeners to podcasts and i think the intro of the podcast should be less you're so sure of yourself it should be more like Probably science. That's probably. Eh. More shrugging in the intro, I think. I do like the idea of someone who doesn't realize that experiments on mice are potentially applicable to humans. Like someone's like, okay, that's great, but I, I'm not a mouse. (laughs) So when you're thinking about like, I mean, like I know now that this medicine will make my mouse better, Mm. but But, I don't know how it's going to make me better because I'm not a mouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should just be testing cheese on mice, and that's it. Right. But I do like—I I like to think the opposite—that 
we are an experiment, like a 10,000-year experiment to see how ears went before we could introduce them to the backs of mice. How what went? Oh, ears. <laughs> yeah, it's a testing ground. for. Yeah. Like, these, are meant, these are meant to be riding. Yeah, the whole time on. God was just like, let's just test out these ears. <laughs> we'll put two on the side of all the humans' heads. And then once I've got them down pat, then they'll learn how to grow them on the back on of, the mice. of mice. And they'll be able to hear the podcast that they're missing out That's, on. So like, if fast forward an alternate future like planet of the apes style it's just like giant mice with ears in their backs running the whole planet no just normal mice with giant ears, with giant ears. right and they can hear everything oh my god it's terrifying because at the moment you can say anything in front of a mouse and fuck them <laughs> you know this actually we weren't going to talk about this but I, I just realized there's an update to a story that we've we've talked about many times because it's it's delightfully insane have you guys heard the latest about the dude who wants to do the head slash body transplants? Is there yet another update? Because it feels another... like almost every other episode we have another head so there's body a... transplant update. I'm, I'm Steel, to bring I'm, you up I'm, to date. I don't want to be up to date. I'm not into it. I, <laughs> I, I, I listen to a, a podcast that sort of talks about, uh, it's called After Dark, and it sort of talks about anything supernatural or, mm-hmm. or conspiracy theory-ish and stuff. And they had an episode about transplants and he went through the history of failed transplants. Oh, it's... And I would like that episode to be intermittent. I, I had no interest in this. I just said, nah, the theatre of the mind is too much for me on this one. Does that mean we can't go down this road too far right now? Like, We'll see how we go. But uh, once you hear... I, I, I'm, I'm such a wuss. Yeah, yeah. Like that I can't... Like I can... I can. This is my two talents. I can spew and cry on demand. Okay. I can yeah. do both at once. You can cry spew. Is mm. that on your like acting resume? It should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. I want you to slowly build to a cry as this story goes on. But at the end, I want it to be a believable, like just lost a parent. It won't so, be noisy. I with full vomit. No, it won't okay. be noisy. You'll just see me cry. Like <laughs> see tears come down your face. Yeah. All, all I have to do is think about how happy I was at the Star Wars premiere last year. And it just makes me like, just, I just, I can just hit it. We haven't adequately plugged your shows, by the way. So yes, you, you're the host of Steel Wars, a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, sort of like a comedy Star Wars podcast where we interview like other comedians or people involved in Star Wars about uh, Star Wars, talk Star Wars, but we try to keep it a bit lighter than the average Star Wars yeah, podcast. Yeah. What's the closest to the to like canonical? I mean, have you had like a Peter Mayhew on? Like, what's the biggest? Oh, we had the editor of The Force Awakens on. We've had uh, a few creatures. Oh, nice. Um, we might be having... I don't know if I should sizzle this, but uh, we might have Ahmed Best on while I'm out here, who played Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah. that would be yeah. an interesting yeah. episode. Yeah. And uh, we had Luke Skywalker's or Mark Hamill's son on. I'm trying to think of other like more style. Oh, we had Leonard Moulton on. That was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Because he interviewed like when people bought the box set videos back in the day. Yeah. He did the big interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the other podcast is I Love Green Guide Letters, which you guys have been on I've that. that. Yes. We have. And we review the complaint letters that people write to the TV guide in Melbourne. And <laughs> if you write a complaint letter to the TV guide about a TV show, you're probably a moron and your complaint is probably quite petty. So it's, yeah, petty complaints about petty complaints. It's a great, it's a great show. So check out both of those. Um, oh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about the, the comedians who have been on in Star Wars in non-face, uh, like Greg Proops in mm-hmm. Phantom Menace, right? He's one of the announcers. Yeah, yeah, I'm and, bugging him. And Scott Capuro is the other one. 
Where does he live? He is mostly in the UK, but he does make trips to the US from time to time. Normally San Francisco, which was where he's originally from. Like, I think he was just at the punchline in San Francisco last weekend. Oh, cool. Are you buddies with him? I, I, I know him from, like, the UK comedy circuit. He hates you, doesn't he? He really hates me. Okay. He was I've, very... so I've done some horrible things in his presence. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, we're friendly enough. Okay, nice. And then just... Peter Serafinowicz was uh, Darth Maul, right? Oh, I don't know about the voice. I think he's the voice of Darth. Oh, he, I, Ray Park is the yeah, but I'm pretty sure. It's yeah, I mean, so is he a comedian as well? Uh, yeah, he does. He doesn't do stand up very often. He's much more of a sketch comedian and and writer and comedy actor. Ah. But yeah, he's very much a comedian, very much a comedian or comedy creator and performer. Okay, cool. This podcast has turned into me networking <laughs> to find yeah. guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know this I, other guy. He's George Lucas. He... Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an obscure... He's a director. He's like, he doesn't he, work that much He's anymore. like... I can't remember the word for it, but he's like, he's like the chef of the film or something. <laughs> I take the, cr- the quick, crazy George Lucas story. He was just discovered in... Have you, you've toured around Australia, yeah? Uh, yeah. I haven't... You know what? I've, been, I've done shows in a couple of select places in Australia, but I haven't extensively toured the country. Well, Adelaide is probably like the... Th- oh, maybe the fourth biggest city like capital city and he was just like it's a weird like it's a very small town it's like a one street sort of major town and you know in australia it gets dissed for being a little city Uh, okay and he just got george lucas just got photographed just eating noodles in a food court like a billionaire (laughs) eating nine dollar noodles by himself yeah in Adelaide. Yeah, in white old men, like retired men sneakers. Uh-huh. To be fair, I think that there are a probably safe to say a million George Lucas lookalikes on planet Earth. No, it was him. <laughs> okay, okay. It was him. His wife is like some high-end broker or something, was there for a conference. Uh-huh. But I'd just gotten back from Adelaide for the Fringe Festival. So I was at home and I was just like, and I was sort of tired of being in Adelaide. Yeah. And I was just like, do I fly back now? Do I fly? Like, I was just like, I'm just going to fly back and I'll find him. <laughs> it's just, I'm going straight gonna, to the airport. I'm going to pay off every noodle <laughs> restaurant gonna... in the city. Like, you, Not the restaurant. Sec- yeah. <laughs> just kiosk. kiosk. The second George walks in, you call this number and I will be there. Like all the TMZ spies yeah. that they have all around LA. You haven't seen him? Well, does my friend, I don't know, the Prime Minister of Australia, <laughs> what's on Australian money? As you bribe somebody, what do you say when you show him? The- Sadly, the Queen. <laughs> the Queen, okay. <laughs> well, does the Queen uh, know even more about where as you slide the bill across I want a text before he's even had a chance to say, and sour. I've always wondered what would happen like if you you know you're waiting at like some any event or a nightclub or or whatever that has like a security guard in a line. Uh-huh. If you just walked up and just went, uh, "Can I go in?" Like there's a line. You go. Well, I wonder if this might change your mind, and just have like a quarter that you press right. in there. You press the quarter. <laughs> Like pocket change. That you just, pro- just a handful of loose change. Yeah. As you shake his hand, half of it falls to the ground, and you're just trying to like. You have a better luck with a vial of steroids. Yeah. I think. yeah. Well, just. But then I remember that like bouncers are ang- potentially angry and definitely strong. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you're actually thinking about doing this, it wouldn't be worth the the, the brief funny that would happen. <laughs> Um, okay, so I was I was heading down this road, head uh, no pun intended, um, to talk about the latest in this pun should have been intended. Mm, pun should pun should always be intended. Yeah. No, that one was. Okay, 
Uh, it really was. Okay, anyway, um, so there's a guy named Sergio Canavero, and uh, for, I think, a solid year or two, he's been talking about doing what they keep calling a head transplant. Will you keep uh, correcting? It's obviously a body transplant, right? I mean, because ah. the head is, is you. And it's actually not that difficult to get things like blood vessels connected and... You might have talked about this on the podcast you were referring to. They've done experiments even like 100 years ago, I want to say in Russia. They've uh, transplanted or even put a second head onto the back of a dog. It's horrid stuff. You can look up pictures of it. But that second head no, stayed alive for a couple of days. I can't look up pictures of you it. You can't look it up. Um, because, yeah, they could connect the blood vessels and things. So that other dog, you know, it was looking around. It was opening its mouth. Um, but the tricky thing is the spinal cord. That's the that's the the thing that's keeping all this from happening. And everyone's like, well, if we could do this, why can't we cure people who have spinal injuries of their paralysis? You know, if we could fuse a head to a new body. And he's saying, oh, my technology is different. And when you're when you're uh, when you're in a, tra- a traumatic spinal accident, the break isn't clean. We're going to do like a very clean cut. And there's this ethylene glycol. I think it's called like a substance they'll put on that spinal cord that he says will help fuse it to the new body well but does that mean that like if you are in a spinal accident and you want to walk again you're like we can get you to walk again but not with not these with legs body. yeah well there's a guy who is has like a, a, a degenerative disorder and i think he's basically paralyzed from the neck down now and he's volunteering to be the recipient of the new body uh next year this guy says he's doing it next year and everyone's like you're insane How do you volunteer because it doesn't sound like he'd be able to raise his hand oh <laughs> So yeah, this guy's name's Valery Spiridonov, a 31-year-old man suffering from the de- degenerative Wernig Hoffman disease. He's volunteering for this. Um, so, is, there, is there anything about this dude that's pronounceable? <laughs> right, there's nothing at all. And the, the latest is that, that he actually says he just did this to a dog successfully, but there's it's no... Something you shouldn't be bragging about. Right, there's no video of it, so I, I don't know. Yeah, so basically everyone's most suspicious about... The we've spinal been, fusing. I feel pretty confident about the bullshit we've been calling on this for quite some time now. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love for it to be a reality, if only because it would mean that the technology could be used for less crazy things in, in fixing spinal injuries. But um, so, yeah, they said the, the team tried the technique on a dog. They severed over 90% of its spinal cord, then treated it with this graphene polyethylene glycol technique. And after three days, the team said there was some movement. After two weeks, two weeks, it could drag its back legs by its torso and front limbs. After three weeks, it could walk, they say. But that's like a far cry. First of all, I don't see the video. And um, critics say that's, that's a case report, and you can't learn very much from a single animal without controls. So they claim to have cut the cervical cord 90%, but there's no evidence of that in the paper, just some crude pictures. So it's still as crazy as ever. Um, he, uh, and Arthur- so, so science is saying... Let's ruin the lives of more dogs. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. It's pretty... Um, but, I mean, if there's any growth at all, that I'm, I'm surprised they can even get any of this stuff to fuse back together. And they said that they would, if, if it was a human, after they attached everything, they would leave that person in a medically induced coma for, I think, a few months while everything fused back together. But, I mean, it, everything would have to be perfect. The whole procedure would have to be done within one hour or else there wouldn't be any hope. And I don't know. Seems crazy. I, I, I like the thought that you know, in in millennia, that we'll just be like Lego men. We can all just swap. Like I just right, like right. like Andy. You are a nice, like Aww. you know, well proportioned, you know, manly man. <laughs> I wouldn't mind hitting the streets. 
with Andy's the, body. We're the same size. We're like the same build, aren't no, we? You're a bit leaner. I just you got a bit know. more health about. Even though you were bragging before how you've. I'm, I'm over health. I'm, I'm done gonna, with it. I'm just gonna. I'll drink anything. I'm in a post-health society. Yeah, I don't care. I'm all downhill from here. I live near McDonald's now, and I feel zero guilt about going over there. Like uh, fast food's fine if you don't eat it too often. You know, like everyone's like, oh, it's the grossest. No, it's delicious. It's fucking delicious. It's a couple times a day. It's yeah, all. That's all, all you need to survive. Okay, so that's enough of the awful, morbid stories. Matt, do you have anything for us? Well, I was going to say, before we got into the next story, because we haven't asked Steele this, and he is a, a fresh guest on the show, we always ask our guests this at some point, what, if anything, is your background in science? Oh, none. I, I went. I had, I had science in high school. Mm-hmm. Was there a particular subject you liked? Was there a teacher you liked? Or did you blow stuff up in the woods with friends? I... I just remember the first day of science class and it was like the first day of high school mm-hmm. and we didn't have science class in primary school and that he did something with gas or something that... He had, had to pull his finger and... Almost, but yeah. he had a thing where it was like... It was to like captivate us with science. Well, there, there are... Was it like... There are a couple of tests, uh, like basic tests that they do in like high school chemistry for certain gases like um oxygen will relight a burning a glowing flint like that's the test for oxygen in the test tube where, where they they'll oh, light, drop it in after you do a reaction that produces yeah you they'll light they'll light a little splint rather not flint but like a little splint a little splint of wood and they'll light it on fire and then blow it out so that it's still glowing but there's no flame and then you put it in the test tube of oxygen and it catches fire again and then hydrogen will explode with a little pop so if there's is it, that what it was yeah and it was like he he, he had good showmanship Right, like, like I felt like I think that's a part of being a good chemistry teacher. Yeah, I felt like he had the first day act down. Mm-hmm. Like, right. so he's always opening material <laughs> was top shelf, but then once it got into the you know the next day, he's yeah. out of material. He had fucking nothing. Like once he busted out that you know the chart of it's all like, the shit, um, I should have saved the pop. It was just like boring. But yeah. he had it. Like it was like we're all there on our first day, and it was like. All right, it will make a little sound so everyone really listen. And of course, the sound was really right. loud. And we were like, science, science, <laughs> science. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It the was, next day, he just rolls in the TV and just puts in like a VHS <laughs> tape. He's like, all right, I got, that's my just day. equations on a blackboard. You're like, but what about the pop? But it's yeah, a big pop. I like the Bunsen burner. I like the flame. I like that that room had all these like gas outlets. I yeah, thought that yeah. was. That was very yeah, cool. But- I remember enjoying uh, chemistry. I remember enjoying that uh, we used to have these little. Um, well, there were two different types of containers on all all of the benches, and like one of them had just distilled water in it, in a little squirty bottle, and the other one had I think it was one 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 trichlorothane, uh, which was just to dry things. It was a solvent. Oh, okay. So if you wanted to, you sort of wash it first with the distilled water, but then you spray this stuff on it. And then you shake it, like wave it, and it eva- evaporates off. So now it's completely dry and clean. Mm. But that stuff's highly flammable. So when the teacher went out of the class, you'd, we'd make paths along the desk or along the floor. Yeah. And then light one end of it. That's what I'm into, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I think my biggest, like, highest qualification in science is that Beaker is one of my favorite Muppets. <laughs> He's the one that doesn't talk. Yeah, yeah, he's just got yeah. the mouth, like the upside down smile mouth, yeah. and he's like, wah, wah, and he has to like put up with like the professor that doesn't have eyes as like crazy experiments. Yeah, I think he and the Swedish chef, my favorite as a kid, definitely. Yeah, and I remember when we were little, you could go to some shop and buy these little black pellets 
So it looked like a black pellet. And then when you lit it, like a, it looked like a, a worm snake. came yeah. out and smoke. So I like that sort of stuff in like the, uh, the ping pong ball in foil. What is that? Well, that like makes like a smoke bomb, which is pretty sick. Wait, if you just light, uh, what do you do? So you make, you wrap it in a ping pong ball, table tennis ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not sure because, you know, like we've, you know, straight. Worth, it's always worth double checking terminology. Yeah, yeah. I found this in my many years of trying to talk to Americans. Yeah. With mostly success, but the occasional. Do you guys have fancy dress parties in Australia? Yeah. Really? That's both? Like, all, just all double, I'm, I'm almost certain in Australia. I like it how you were ready to gang up on him. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is this fancy yeah. dress nonsense? Just double checking in Australia, by fancy dress you mean the same as in Britain, right? In that like, someone will be Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> fancy. It's such a great euphemism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I've got to get on my fanciest <laughs> Batman outfit and my fanciest skeleton <laughs> and my fanciest... <laughs> I got my uh, yeah, my yeah, nicest that- my nicest nicest knife, and I pretended it was shoved in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fancy. Great. In a fa- it's all fancy. fancy. Look at him, yeah, all yeah. fancy. And then someone else is just American and has shown up in a dinner jacket. Right. <laughs> Monocle. Yeah. So you wrap that in foil, yeah. and then you make this little funnel, and you. I can't remember how you light the ping pong ball, but the ping pong ball just makes all this smoke came out. Yeah. You, you know okay. when you're like, you, you know, maybe like eight. To thirteen, before chicks kick in or girls, yeah, you just want to. I lit everything on fire. You just want to see what happens yeah. to everything when you light it on fire. Yeah, I, I had a whole summer that was like my pyro summer that ended with my friend blowing the end off his thumb, and I was like, "Well, that puts a nice little button on this period of my life." <laughs> I was it recoverable, or did he have a no, shorter he, he, thumb for the rest of? Yeah, the time knowing it, him, it was like a traumatic. He's, you know, he lost basically less than half an inch. He lost his whole thumbnail, but I'm sure the overall impact wow. on his life has been negligible. But at the time. I would stay up at night crying, thinking about it, and he thought he was never going to play the piano again, which he was really good at, but it wasn't a bad enough thing. He could still play piano. Imagine how painful it is for him emotionally every time he writes a really good Facebook status. <laughs> Sees that thumbs up? Yeah. That thumb? <laughs> so, fuck you guys! Oh. Zuckerberg! Okay, so according to the internet, you f- first make a small hole in the ping pong ball. Okay. And then, oh, fuck you, website that's done it in five slides. Uh, then then you that, grab... Got to get that ad revenue. Then you then won't you grab, believe what you do next. Right. Then you grab the rest of the ping pong balls and you poke and you cut them into small pieces. What? So you've got like one ping pong ball with a hole in it. Another, other ones cut into small pieces. Oh, no. This is more advanced than what we were used to in Australia. Then you grab the pieces of the other balls and insert them through the <laughs> hole of the first ping pong ball. Then you grab a, a three-inch piece of a drinking straw. Wait, is this oh. how to make a ping pong ball necklace? Because I know how to do that. <laughs> of course I've done that. That's. And then you wrap it in uh, foil. Um, are, you wrap... you, are you getting this from TalibanPranks.net? <laughs> yeah. You wrap, so you wrap the foil around the ball, but leaving the bit of the drinking straw sticking out. Okay. And then you light it. You light the bo- You light up the bottom of the smoke bomb. Yeah, you heat it, and then it comes out the straw. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it starts to come out the straw, and then you throw it, and as you throw it, it sort of trails through the air. As- yeah, and then it'll come out, and it'll, all the smoke will come out through the hole. And then nice. hopefully you lose an eye, and then your friend can talk about how funny that is on <laughs> podcast for years to come. By proxy, yeah, you're the one without an eye, and your buddy can talk about it forever. Okay, well that's how you make smoke bombs. Um, yeah, I, I also like that 
we talked about like head transplants and stuff, but your mate still has half a thumb. Oh, hang on. This um, we can't even fix that, and we're going to put a new head on. Hold somebody? on a second. Yeah. This, this is a slightly more some, sophisticated version. Isn't there some dead dog's thumb he can put on there? <laughs> you just have like a fucking claw at the end of your. This slightly more sophisticated version says also cut up the ends of some matchsticks. Oh, well, that's so, okay. and put that inside there as well with the broken up bits of ping pong balls. That's how, now we're getting into like anarchist cookbook shit. Yeah, mm. but then yeah, Only you light the bottom of the foil until it starts to until it starts to smoke, and then it says also the smoke is toxic and smells really bad. Okay. So there you go. I know. Uh, don't do this. <laughs> just... Our younger listeners. It, it sounds like a great option though if you. You know, you want to assassinate someone, and you don't know how to make one of those plastic guns. Oh, like in uh, like in that Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get some ping pong balls. You get them right through security. Well, speaking of things that uh, are are illegal or that are legal, that are still legal in some places. Um, unless Matt, are you cool if I move on to this? Yeah, do it. I don't know if you're still trying to find more smoke bombs. Up. No, no, no. I think we've, <laughs> I think we've thoroughly exhausted that topic. Um, a study of fatal car accidents suggests medical marijuana may be helping curb opioid use. A study conducted at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, that's what it's called, spelled the way you think it is, found that there were fewer drivers killed in car crashes who tested positive for opioids in states with medical marijuana laws than before the laws went into effect. The study is one of the first to assess the link between state medical marijuana laws and opioid use at the individual level. Researchers analyzed 1999 through 2013 fatality analysis reporting system data from 18 U.S. states that tested for alcohol and other drugs and at least 80% of drivers who died within one hour of crashing. They looked at opioid positivity among drivers aged 21 to 24 who crashed their cars in states with an operational medical marijuana law compared with drivers crashing in states before those laws went into effect. Can I have a, a layman query sure by opioid what is that defined i think that's uh anything related to heroin or, I mean, anything derived from an opiate anything derived from the poppy which i think includes like uh vicodin okay. uh obviously heroin Codeine, morphine yeah uh, oxycodone maybe okay. percocet maybe so sure. no. so is the premise that because there's medical marijuana they're using that as their vice and not not hitting the vein, is that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, and again, it's opioids. It's not just heroin, but maybe instead of, you know, a Vicodin habit or something or, yeah. Mm-hmm. This story, by the way, sent in by David Wirths. Yes, thank you. By the way, everyone can always email probably science at gmail.com to send in stories and uh, corrections, criticisms. Uh... Could it be that they're on the heroin, they're uh-huh. on the junk? On the junk. But they've also got some sweet bud as well. And they're smoking that. And just like when you're stoned, you just drive at turtle pace. Like, you know, you keep it. So there are fewer crashes. Yeah, because they're all like keeping it real on the down low. Yeah, I mean, that could be the reason. Um, So June Kim, a a doctoral student in the Department of Epidemiology Epidemiology at the Mailman School of Public Health, said we would expect the adverse consequences of opioid use to decrease over time in states where medical marijuana use is legal as individuals substitute marijuana for opioids in the treatment of severe or chronic pain. So maybe it's just actual opioid use to treat, not just recreational, but like, you know, if you've got chronic back pain and now medical marijuana is legal, maybe you'll take less Vicodin for it and more. Yeah, but they're also like, but how many, like, has like... Like cases of people being stoned out of their mind crashing skyrocketed? Uh, well, let's see. They're just saying that uh, the overall reduction in opioid positivity, I'm trying to see whether they're saying that overall 
Because what we want is less, less overall deaths. crashes. Less overall crashes, not the change in what they yeah. were on when they crashed. Right. Yeah, it's not right. It's not so much, oh, yay, he died because of marijuana abuse, not heroin. Right. So, okay, among the 68,000 deceased drivers, approximately 42% were fatally injured in states that had an operational medical marijuana law. Uh, 25% died in states before an operational law went into effect, and 33% died in states that had never passed a medical marijuana law. So that data is kind of all over the place, isn't it? Uh, the trend may have been particularly strong among the um, the age group that's like, what, 21 to 40, because minimum age requirements restrict access to medical marijuana to patients 21 and older. And uh, most medical marijuana patients are younger than 45. So according to the authors of this study, they would expect to see similar reductions in opioid use among older cohorts if medical marijuana is increasingly embraced by older generations. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't know. Because um, that one stat is saying that 42% were fatally injured in states that had the laws compared to 25 in states that hadn't had it yet. Hmm. Okay, so maybe deaths are going up, but opioid use is going down. Yeah. So that's- <laughs> what about... I reckon one way to just totally cut the road toll, uh-huh. everyone has to smoke a joint before they drive. To cut the... Because then every, if everyone's driving slowly, then then we're fine. Yeah, and everyone's like super paranoid it, and just like... It's only the outliers. Because yeah, yeah, it's like... I just read, read an article recently about like slow drivers and how dangerous they are. And people think they're doing a good job if they're going like 50 and you can actually be way more dangerous to other people's safety by by being significantly slower than traffic on a highway yeah but that law is gnarly like that whole thing of like in america if the traffic's going over the speed limit then you're meant to go over the speed limit well no i don't think that's what it is i'm saying people are going under the speed limit i don't think you can ever get a ticket for not keeping up with the no but there's some law where it's like You've got to go with the speed of the traffic. No, over. I don't think if I don't think you're ever supposed to if it's over the limit. I could be wrong, but oh, I know that you can get a ticket for not moving over to the right lane if you're not passing because a lot of people don't know that is the law in a lot of states. Is the left lane is only for passing. You can also get honked at for that. You can. Also you get- can. Uh, and also, like uh, if the driver's horny. <laughs> I think you've been misinterpreting. <laughs> you're like you're like at a stoplight checking your Instagram, and it's just like, oh man, the three cars behind me are yeah. stinging for it. I tell you what, I am making them horny. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I, I lived? I had a roommate in Portland who had a Whip 'Em Out Wednesday bumper sticker, which is like an Opie and Anthony thing. I fucking hate Opie and Anthony so much. I had to listen. We were fixing up this house together, and he would play that fucking awful show. And it's just like the broiest of broy comedy. You know who those guys are, right? I know who they are. I've never really listened to them. But when you say they're the broiest of bros, I was just like, oh yeah, no wonder Nick Cody loves them. It just totally works it's out just, for me. Oh, it's everything I hate about East Coast comedy. Not that I hate all East Coast comedy, but it is like the d- distillation of the worst of the cliches of... So anyway, so they had a thing. All I, of the East Coast. Anyone that said a joke <laughs> on the East Coast and, and he hates the, you. Not just the American East Coast. Like any, any country. That, if you're on the East Coast. Hey, that's me now. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Fuck your East Coast nonsense. But this show, and there's another show that has a competing thing called Flash Friday. Like every shitty show has to have a day of the week where people are supposed to get women to show you their breasts. And then you're supposed to call into the radio show and talk oh. about how you saw their breasts. Like, <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought, and maybe because I'm just such, you know, I'm so empowering to women. 
I thought Whip It Out Wednesday was about like dicks. dicks. <laughs> nope, nope. I was like, I can't wait for Scrotum Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just such a great like misuse of media. Like, wait, you you think people are going to be excited about the prospect of secondhand hearing a story about a visual thing that's all. Like, Everything about it's wrong. And also, having that in your car... I can tell you that 13-year-old me <laughs> would, would be delighted to hear a story of someone who saw a boob. Like, <laughs> that would be like... No, 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 go through that story one more time. Yeah. Tell me, what kind of boob was it? <laughs> you saw all of it? Like, even, like, the nipple and everything? Not just, like, the top of it? <laughs> tell me again. But, like, can you imagine going through your life with that bumper sticker on your car and trying to, like carry on a normal interacting with society picking up a date like who's gonna get in your car when they see that especially on a wednesday yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i think there would be like 13 year old me would be like that exists in the world like some women will just do that all you gotta have is this bumper sticker and i i I never even asked him i should have asked him has that ever resulted in a woman on the road being like oh he's got this bumper sticker here are my breasts for you like there's no way it's ever panned out yeah well that's right up there with the winding down the window and it's like Hey baby, what are you up to tonight? And it's yeah. just like, when does that ever work? <laughs> oh no, I, I I see people that do that getting chased by women all the time, just like it's trying to catch <laughs> trying to up to the car. car yeah. just well, that's like, the trouble because they peel off, and then yeah. like most women can't run as fast as a car. Yeah, <laughs> they just they only want the fittest of women. Yeah, you yeah. You, you have to be able to run like sixty miles per hour. Like you basically got to be attracted to the female Terminator. <laughs> Maybe everybody who does that just watched too many romantic comedies that fed that fed us the lie that like basically stuff you can get arrested for is how you court somebody. You know, stalking is cute if you stick with it for long enough. Yeah, you'll hook up with hot chicks if you yeah. rub jizz in your hair before the day. That's great. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. I was binging as I was driving back from Portland on a bunch of podcasts I hadn't heard before. And there's a great one called Reply All. And there's a five-episode series called On the Inside where she's talking with a prisoner and she kind of reopens the case of of this murder um, that he's in jail for, and he's autistic, and it never came up in his trial that he was autistic, and that impacts a lot about like your the jury's interpretation of you and the sentencing because you look like you're a heartless killer. Oh, when they go because, like he's dispassionate when right, all these charges right, are being right. read out, mm-hmm. so you're yeah. Like, yeah, that's because that's how he's naturally prone to ex- yeah to appear. And they talked with some experts who have dealt with. Um, autistic people who have done things like copy behavior they've seen in romantic comedies and like no 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 i get how you saw that and thought that meant it's okay but like we we show this as a thing that's that's funny but it's completely not okay in regular life to go stalk someone endlessly but anyway um yeah check out reply i'll also check out oh my god i'd never listened to um you must remember you must remember this the um movie podcast it's like a history of, of cinema. Oh, really? It's really great. And there's like a 12-episode part, a, a series within it about Charles Manson and Hollywood. I've heard that you, oh, I've shit. heard that recommended many times. I just didn't know shit about Charles Manson. Holy shit, what a bonkers story. Like, I can't believe... Was he a bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just so much to it. You really have to check it out. Because I just knew the surface level stuff. And it's got its tendrils in so many parts of, of music and movies and just... LA history and the history of the 60s and like it's such a great podcast so he wrote out. the pilot of Full House right <laughs> well I'd never and, and a good couple of the seasons <laughs> including the most recent one on Netflix it was edgy well you know like the, oh, I knew he had the, a Beatles fascination like Helter Skelter but you know also he was really into the Moody Blues which is like the funniest like dad rock to me it's, I think of that as like the stuff my dad likes so his followers could only listen to the Beatles and the Moody Blues your dad Blues. is in a sex cult right my dad was in a sex cult that's true <laughs> And he loves to unwind. Yeah. 
and they played some of his music and like he blatantly ripped off like a section of Knights in White Satin. It's so ridiculous. Well, that to me is one of his greatest right. crimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is, is there no is there no level to which that man won't stoop? Yeah, yeah. Plagiarist. What? <laughs> and there's so many people that were that were in his court, like on his side. Like Neil Young was a proponent of his because his whole thing, all he wanted was to be a rock star. He just wanted to be a musician. He was a frustrated musician. It's like Hitler with the painting. Like, and he kept trying to like meet people who could get him a recording deal. And for a while, people were on his side. Like, he lived with Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys for a while, and Neil Young was like trying to help him out. And the Beach Boys actually recorded one of his songs. They changed the lyrics, but like Dennis brought a song of his to the Beach Boys. <laughs> it's such a crazy story. Anyway, this is not science, but a great. I'm great thinking podcast. about having a good cult. Is that, that was that's it? the one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hey, the most comprehensive genomic study of indigenous Australians Finally. to date Ooh, has revealed... There's, mo- no, there's no way this topic can go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is sent in by Justin Broad. Has revealed that modern humans are all descendants of a single wave of migrants who left Africa about 72,000 years ago. It confirms... Mo- go back to where you came from! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it confirms modern Aboriginal Australians are the descendants of the first people to inhabit Australia, a claim that has previously been the subject of debate. And the genetic information also shows Aboriginal people living in desert conditions may have developed unique biological adaptations to survive the arid conditions. The findings are contained in one of three papers published together in Nature that look at the dispersal of modern humans from our evolutionary birthplace in Africa to Europe, Asia, and Oceania. Uh, to date, academics have debated whether we all share the same ancestor from a single mass migration event or that the dispersal took place in distinct waves at different times. Uh, The long history of human occupation of Australia has been cited as evidence that Papuans and Australians stemmed from an earlier migration than the ancestors of Eurasian peoples. However, taken together, today's papers use the genetic information of people from 280 diverse populations from largely understudied regions of the world to support the single wave theory. Uh, The study was led by... Uh, Professor Eski Willerschlev at the University of Cambridge and with and to, was undertaken with the collaboration of elders and leaders of various indigenous communities. Uh, they sequenced the genome of 83 Aboriginal Australians from the Pama uh, Nyangan speaking language group which covers 90% of the continent and 25 Highland Papuans. Uh, the Australian co-author, Dr. Michael Westaway of Griffiths University, said the study showed evidence only for one colonization of Australia and a continuity of occupation from that genomic signature for 40,000-odd years. It reveals that they left Africa around 72,000 years ago and then split from the main group around 58,000 years ago. Check, yeah. <laughs> then they reached the supercontinent of Sahul that originally united Tasmania, Australia, and the New Guinea and New Guinea around 50,000 years ago, picking up the DNA of Neanderthals, Denisovans, and other extinct homonyms along the way. Okay, Okay, sorry, go ahead. Go on, what are you going to say? I'm just going to show my ignorance. Like, I always get messed up on on timescales on things like this, but I didn't think that 50,000 years was enough time for anything significant to change geologically. I was, that that threw me as well. 50,000 years ago, when these people were migrating, I guess that, does make sense to an extent because I suddenly realizing that we've talked before about how the human migration happened mostly by foot, which can only happen when like the Bering Strait being a, a land bridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the when the these countries did exist, but I guess that is still pretty quick considering 
Yeah, 50,000 Continental years. plates normally move at maybe an inch or two a year. Right. At most. I, I, that story, it just doesn't ring true because reading the Rupert Murdoch-owned media <laughs> opinion pieces in Australia, <laughs> the first Australians were third-generation bigots. Right. <laughs> So that's, I, I don't know what these guys are claiming 50,000 years. It sounds like it all went down in the early 1900s. Right, right. Yeah, actually it does say this as well. It says the other competing theory is that the earliest Australians um, arrived from Wales uh, <laughs> shortly after the war. The Murdochs, so. yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, if, if if you're ever going to migrate into Australia, the, if you want to become a true Australian, just integrate as soon as possible, and then start hating the next people that try yeah. to move right, to the right, country. Right. That's it kind of any place, really. That's all you have to do in any, all, in any yeah. culture, right? It also says in this article, like, and there's Greeks and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Greeks! How did you guys? How did Rupert Murdoch become who he is? I don't even know his history. Like, how did he become so powerful in the U.S. and uh, how did he, how did he become so hateful of? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know his story at all. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I go to explain it, and then I'm 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 just about to tell you the plot of Citizen Kane. <laughs> he's sort of the twentieth or the later twentieth century. Uh, yeah, he's uh, yeah. That's an interesting well, thing. I wouldn't mind reading up about that, but I will say he's maybe one of the most evil people on the planet. But I just I never but, thought about how he came to into so much power. An yeah. absolute poison in, I, I think, probably UK and Australian culture. He's and just, American. And American. I mean, like Fox, Fox News. News. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he, he, has, he has control of the most influential or some of the most influential and damaging media concerns in... Definitely mm. our three respective countries and probably a few others as well. Yeah. yeah. It's a Between deal. like the Sun newspaper and the Times in the UK. He owns those? He owns both of those. Oh. Wow, he owns like that. the London Times, which used to be the newspaper record, and he owns the Sun. What, is that, the what biggest... does that phrase mean? I've heard that a lot, but I never... It sort of means, base... I believe it sort of means like the most accurate, the go-to. But it's not an official title that someone bestows. When something what word are you talking the, about? When something is the newspaper of record, like, is that just saying it's pretty respected? It's not an actual like thing that... Oh, no, I think that's just like saying <laughs> on a restaurant, world famous. <laughs> It basically a, a phrase used a phrase used by nothing that is world famous. It's amazing. Wikipedia just has it with a fairly general description of um because a major it, newspaper that has a large circulation and whose editorial and news gathering functions are considered professional and typically authoritative. It may also say, be a publicly available newspaper that has been authorized or maintained by a government to publish uh, public public like, or legal notices and therefore serves as a newspaper of public record. Yeah, so uh, I cut you off though, Matt. You were saying 50,000 years ago, this group... Well, check this out. When we were talking about when the continental shells split, um, I was really off on the time scale. So according to this article, Papuans and Aboriginals then split around 37,000 years ago long before the continents were finally cut off from each other around 8,000 years ago. That's so recently. That's really recent. I honestly thought people came in, in primitive boats back when these things happened. I thought that that was the only way it they, could I think happened. they did as well. There was definitely some migration by boat. but um, that, that was actually the season two finale of Lost. Okay. But, uh, yeah. 8,000 years ago, you could still... You could still walk between... Interesting. Papua New Guinea and Australia was still... A mere skip away. Just a different mindset back then. Just to go on these missions to places. Yeah. 
Well, imagine how fun. Well, not fun's the wrong word. It's fucking brutal to live back then. But like, you don't even know what you're going to. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's just here be dragons. There's no yeah. there's no mapping of what's what you're gonna find. Um, I hear they've got in and, and out. And there were dragons essentially. Like, uh, have you read Guns, Germs, and Steel? No. They talked about how like mankind's introduction to Australia was so abrupt. Um, unlike a lot of other places where like there's a slow migration, that all of these species. So Australian animals got to evolve totally separately from humans. Where African animals. Uh, evolved alongside humans so they were like keeping pace with each other as far as defenses so humans couldn't automatically kill them all out because they were also getting used to having these great predators around where the australian megafauna these giant there were tons of other giant crazy animals that would be like something out of star wars if you saw them now those things were so dumb because they hadn't had humans can i say thank you for saying it in a way that i can right yeah star wars beasts (laughs) Yeah. yeah That, like, you know, humans come and they can just walk right up to them and just bonk them on the head because they just ha- have no suspicion of these super smart predators. So they, within 100 years, and the fossil record shows this, tons of species were just gone because humans could just, like, slay them so quickly that the species couldn't survive at all. So things slay, girl. Like, what's that? Slay. Slay. Wow. Um, by the way... Well, who was laughing once the white man arrived? Right. <laughs> oh. By the way, a remarkable genetic genetic diversity between the aboriginal people of the east and west of australia which could be connected to the last ice age around 30,000 to 20,000 years ago which creates a huge expansion of the arid core in australia and a dramatic reduction in gene flow between the east and the west of the country so they got to australia and then they had an ice age after that yeah when they first arrived 50,000 years ago uh arid australia wasn't like it is today i feel like that dreamworks production was lying to me (laughs) I feel like this is all just stuff that, that the devil planted to throw us just off course us. from the 6,000-year history of the planet. <laughs> but what do I know? So do you guys have a creation museum in Australia? Is that happening over there? I, Australia is a creation museum. Yeah. yeah. I try to not know about that sort of stuff, but I'm sure there's a few people that are... I'm pretty proud that the U.S. is leading the world in, in arc construction. We're one of the top countries for constructing a full-scale model of the Ark, of Noah's Ark. Oh, well, our boat claim to fame. We, we've got a crazy billionaire in, uh, or I think he's a millionaire now, in, uh, in Australia, and he wanted to build uh, the Titanic. Oh, that's, well, that actually existed, so I would, be, I would kind of be supporting that. Yeah, but what's the main thing you know about the Titanic? <laughs> Like I, he's like he's like a stickler for every aspect of yeah. it being the same, even like the compartments and like yeah. Maybe they're... maybe he's just like this is the only one, only way I'll get to meet Leo. Come on, yeah. But yeah, he wanted to build the Titanic two or something. It's like good idea. Yeah, yeah. not on land. You mean like make a boat that will sail? And yeah, just as susceptible to icebergs, <laughs> just for authenticity's sake. Should we send this through like warmer water? No, it's not efficient. It's not how the story works. It's not the real thing. This has to be accurate. Send it through. We're sailing from Belfast like we did the original. And we're heading straight to that iceberg. Otherwise, this is not an authentic voyage. We need a very cocksure captain. Yeah. Who would not take no for an answer. Can we get Billy Zane to go, uh, round of drinks, my good man. Where is Billy Zane? Uh, he was in this show on Amazon that um, was pretty addictive. I just I just binge watched it a few months ago. I forgot what it's called. About some friends that go down to Belize to visit their rich friend who has a house down there, and, uh, and then crazy murders start happening. 
I forgot what it's called, but look up Billy Zane and oh, it's, Rich it's, Friend Crazy Murder. Rich Friend Crazy Murder. Hey, it's season pretty, three. It's good. Yeah. A few Steve different Zahn. people sent in versions of this story, by the way. But let's go with the one that the uh, Addie Becker sent in. Giraffes aren't just one species. Oh, it's four different giraffes. It's four different types of giraffes. Uh, every giraffe, but they are like separate. Like each giraffe is not four things. Um, okay, these aren't. They what, are, so there's they four different. Kind of not, they're not like all in one big trench coat. <laughs> so there's four different types of there's giraffe. Four diff- yeah, it was previously labeled Giraffa uh, camelopardalis. That was the scientific name for a giraffe. Now it's known to be. Now the it's now revealed that the genus Giraffa actually contains at least four distinct species. The findings published on Thursday in Current Biology come as the very meaning of the word species has been up for debate. Ooh. Can the giraffes from two different species have sex to have other giraffes? Hence making a hybrid super giraffe. I don't know. It says here, the classic definition of a species is a group of animals that can reproduce with one another and whose offspring are fertile. But as scientists got better at studying the genes and behaviors of different animal groups, they found a need for one or more official taxonomic distinction, the subspecies. Animals within a species but of different subspecies can reproduce from a purely genetic standpoint. But they don't but enjoy they it. generally don't. They, yeah, they're oh, not into it because of long, long-term geographic separation, uh, usually. They've ceased to breathe with one another for long enough that the estrangement shows in their genes, making them distinct from one another. So why the sudden change for giraffes from sub to species? Well, until recently, giraffe division has been largely based on more superficial characteristics, such as coat patterns. Such superficial I know. From a research standpoint, the giraffe, which has suffered a 40% drop in population over the last 15 years, has been quite neglected. You know, only 400 scientific papers have been written about giraffes versus 20,000 on white rhinos. (laughs) Wait, 20,000? What? Says study author Axel Janker, an evolutionary biologist uh, in Germany. Uh, 20,000 papers on white rhinos. Yeah. Despite its size... That's why the, the brand been... Echo Unlimited is so popular. <laughs> oh, this is a great German scientist uh, little tag. He goes, uh, despite its size, the giraffe has been completely overlooked. Oh, Axel. Get in there, Axel. Get in there. Um, I'd like to know what party tricks a giraffe could do. Oh, mm. I mean... Because that neck... Yeah, I bet they're good at that one. You know that one where you have to pass an apple from person to person? <laughs> just like between your neck. Like you put an apple between your neck, like tuck it under your chin. And you yeah. You pass it around the group without using your hands. I don't think the... How would the giraffe be better at that? Well, because they could do like... They could a big, a big, apple, no, no, apple. It's, it's like wouldn't like... They don't have a super chin. The length of the neck doesn't help. Well, but they can bend so far over that they can actually pin it between the... They can, like, do a couple loops around the around the apple, just kind of, like... That would be cool to see a giraffe not itself. Like, that can be, like, its magic trick. Like, you know how, you know how like, like magicians do the thing, like, here's a knot. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Oh, yeah. If you could do that with a giraffe <laughs> with head... Giraffe that's Ooh. good. i tell you what also, uh, and I know this is already feeling quite apple-heavy, but come Halloween time, bobbing for apples... I reckon a giraffe is pretty oh, yeah. handy at that. Yep, yep. They'd be able to get the ones down the bottom. Yeah. Well, also, like they wouldn't even have to be near the thing. Like, could, like everyone could be crowded around the tub, and they could just they're like it. ten feet away, and they just fucking. And they have that wide giraffe mouth, so I reckon they could probably get right in there. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even invite a giraffe to a bobbing, an apple bobbing competition. It seems it's like not even fair. No, no, no. Um, th- but uh, tons of white rhinos. <laughs> so many white rhinos at the party. Yeah. By the way, both those animals. I, I was thinking about how like unicorns, maybe this has already come and passed, but like there was a big trend in comedy 
in the last 10 years of like people talk for some reason unicorns were a thing right they're well, kind, unicorns, kind of ubiquitous unicorns and, have that ironic hipster coolness right. at the moment for yeah. some reason maybe it's over already but i just think it's so weird that we like there are anim- fake animals like that that we hype up and there are animals that actually exist where if they didn't exist and you drew them you'd be like holy fucking shit like a giraffe or a rhino, if it didn't exist and you drew it. A rhino is cooler than a unicorn. It has a fucking bigger horn than a unicorn. Is, is this your political platform? Yeah. Why do we fucking glorify <laughs> unicorns? We have maje- we have amazing magical animals that actually exist if we just take them for granted because they actually exist. Well, what about um, like the platypus? Exactly. That is like a duck, but it's furry. They're all in my wildlife treasury. Yeah. Did you guys have those ads growing up? No. W- wildlife treasury trading cards for animals? Mate, we didn't okay. have the ads. We had okay. platypuses. Okay, yeah, platypuses. <laughs> and they have uh, spikes in the back of their heels, right? Or poison barbs. That's the word on the street. I actually can't remember ever seeing one in real life anymore. Like, yeah. I'm sure I saw one at a zoo or something when I was little. So I've sort of been like, I've got to get back into platypuses. I've got to reconnect with my my pussy neighbors <laughs> or something. Really spot up on them. So this isn't the first time that scientists have suggested that the giraffe, which has nine subspecies, including the ones that now might be promoted to species, contains multitudes. And this study might not prove to be the final word on the subject, but after studying nearly 200 (laughs) DNA samples, the researchers believe they've shown that the four distinct groups last shared a common ancestor some one and a half to two million years ago. That's at least a few hundred thousand years before polar bears diverged from brown bears. Was that at the Great Giraffe Orgy? It was, yeah. (laughs) They produced a lot and they went their separate ways. Well, actually, it's not really an orgy because it's a common ancestor, so it's just 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 two parents, but they Ah. really went at it a lot and... Spawned off a lot of different species. It's funny this sort of stuff. Like, there's four species of giraffe apparently, and and, and even like the Pluto being a planet, and not being a planet. It really affects you the next day. <laughs> like, you know, you go yeah, outside and it's just like the sky is red now. What do I even know? Yeah. Um. So that's a f- so a few thousand years after these di- giraffes diverged polar bears diverge from brown bears and these two bear species have now created hybrids in the wild calling their classification into question but the genetic record of giraffes seem to show that their species have stayed away one from one another since that ancient diversion by the way are we calling those broler broler bears broler yeah so what you're saying is giraffes are quite racist yeah they, they won't they won't ha- they won't want to hang out with each other when one species becomes four conservationists have to take notice the study's came to be because scientists wanted to make sure they weren't unknowingly obliterating any unique species. If conservationists tried to repopulate an area where giraffes had hit hard times by shipping in cousins from another region, they might unknowingly create hybrid species, thereby losing the original lineage they were trying to save. Is that a thing conservationists would care about? Care about purity of the breed, apparently. That's weird, because you're still keeping alive a descendant of this thing that is... You're you're losing the purity of the breed. And then you start getting into, like, is that... What does that even mean? I, uh, I, I like my giraffes nice and airy and just yeah. pure yeah. bloodline. Well, it also might be the case giraffes. that the newly intermingled cousins might not be able to reproduce if their DNA had diverged enough. And that's the way it okay. should be. <laughs> so they'd be like um, mules. Or no, that's not the... Uh, which, what's the thing that's... Uh, is a mule a donkey and a horse and then it's also always um, sterile? Yes, I believe so. Um the division of the giraffe population into distinct species may also call into question the animal's current status with the International Union of Conservation of Nature, or IOCN, 
which lists giraffes as a species of least concern. Oh, oh my God. Giraffes. You don't get thrown out of the union. Yeah, poor giraffes. You don't get health benefits. They're, they are the Pluto of, of, the, of the tall-necked right. animal kingdom. But as an example, northern giraffe number less than 4,750 individuals in the wild. That's nothing. Less than 5,000. And reticulated giraffe number giraffe number less than 8,700 individuals. Oh. So as distinct species, if they are distinct, it makes them some of the most endangered large mammals in the world. That, with, oh, but if you consider them separate, then if you yeah, put them all if together, they're all the same then thing, it's then not it's, that oh, we got loads of giraffes. Yeah, but if you now yeah, realize these yeah. things are separate, then actually there's less than 5,000 in the world. That's, that ain't much. That is so sad. Because, you know, like, as a podcaster, you really monitor how many downloads you're getting. Right, right. And you're never satisfied because you're always, oh, Oh, what more, what more. The thought that there's less of a species it's- than people that download my podcast. <laughs> That is, I feel for the giraffe. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Wait again in a sly brag that you get more than 5,000 downloads. I like that, I like that. I'm getting those rhino numbers, baby. (laughs) Those white rhino paper numbers. Until we get mosquitoes, I'm not happy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, this is something that's come up on the show quite a bit before, is that the, the sort of high school definition of what a species is has increasingly been shown to be insufficient. Yeah. Like, it's not entirely clear what, a species is anymore it's almost like we just made these words up and then applied them to things (laughs) Mm. yeah it's a reverse the reverse engineering doesn't necessarily cover all the situations yeah we're all going to be oddities once the aliens arrive Mm -hmm. um hey we have some people to thank oh that's right uh because there's been quite a few donations since we last put out a show so oh and mustn't they be disappointed patrons right now these are people we really we really need to apologize to and here's a list of suckers so there are andy the snake oil salesman has shysted out of their (laughs) been laughing all the way to the bank while i've been not putting up podcasts um so we have to thank um uh caroline laco thank you very much paul freeland peter lipsky Murphy Shane, Emma Sorry. Wilton, Lindsay Sorry. Iserman, Sorry. David Worth, Destruction Sorry. Lane. I can still forget who that really is. Sorry. Peter Long, James Sorry. Cox. Sorry. Thank you very much to you. Sorry. Thank you very, very much, Justin Broad. Sorry, And so thank much. you very, very, very much, Catherine Lubiak. Really? Very Sorry, generous Catherine. monthly donation. Sorry. And also a one-off uh, generous donation from Tom Ellsworth. Thank you very much, Tom. Well, get out of the scam while you can, buddy. <laughs> uh, he said last year he mentioned us on Never Not Funny, also after PodFest. Uh, yeah. So thank you for that. So thank that you. Um, you can go to probablyscience.com. That's where the donate button is. That's also where our Amazon shopping link is. If you're buying anything on Amazon, go through our link first. We get a kickback. It costs you next extra. I know, it costs you nothing extra. I know quite a few of you are doing that, and we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate everyone who spreads the word. And when you're on yes. Amazon, use their, like, their little link to buy some vitamins that don't work, and then you get double shysted. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I also, by the way, I did some shows recently in the Bay Area and in and in Colorado, and I met a few of uh, Probably Science listeners at each of the shows. So thank you very much, everyone who came up and said hi. That's that awesome. was really cool. And at PodFest as well, I met uh, a few uh, Probably Science listeners. If you are anywhere in or near the Bay Area, I am going to be gigging there in the middle week of October. Uh, particularly, I have a show at Doc's Lab that I would love you to come to. Uh, and that is on... Let me get the... Uh, bugger. Um, I think it's on the 17th, but I will double well, check While you're that. looking that up, I'll remind everyone. Um, we haven't plugged this enough, I feel like, but uh, the show that Matt and I worked on last fall is still airing on the Science Channel, I believe, on Wednesday nights at 10 o'clock. How to Build Everything. 
Um, and if it's not still, uh, if it's not in reruns yet, then just go to sciencechannel.com and you can watch segments and full episodes over there. Uh, not enough time to find the. No, it's not. But what, <laughs> let's let's let uh, let's let our guest plug some yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Steel Saunders, what do you got for us? Wow, my friend Matt's doing gigs up in San Francisco. <laughs> what what are those? <laughs> <laughs> now you can listen if you're up for um, some pretty fun Star Wars chat check out Steel Wars uh, Steel is spelt S-T-E-E-L-E and uh, and we also we interview people but then every once in a while we do like live episodes where it's sort of comedians sort of just riffing about Star Wars yeah. and, and it's super fun and then I Love Gringo Letters is every week and that's yeah. green guide letters. I love green guide. Oh yeah, sounds Sorry. like you said gringo for it's kind of. I was just. Trying oh to... yeah, I have to slow down because of um, the the accent <laughs> and stuff. Which like when I do stand up here, it's it's so hard to concentrate on slowing down. Yeah. you know your rhythm sort of thing. Like, and normally I just have to speak so fast because I've just got too many great too jokes to fit in that time. You know, fast, so yeah. I just got to speed up, speed up. It's a real problem, man. But I love green. I love Green God. That's right. Sometimes I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm like, what's the deal <laughs> with Because I've got some... Great Uber jokes? Actually, I don't, but it sounds like something that, yeah. that'd be topical. Mm-hmm, sure. I, I, I got in an Uber and there was a unicorn. Right? Am I right? right. Am I trending right now? Hashtag bless. October 17th. Monday, October 17th. Excellent. There we go. I'm doing some other shows the rest of the week in the Bay Area as well, but that's the one that I would really love you to come to because that's the one that's my show. Can you close the show by singing my wife happy birthday? Oh, wait. Is the copyright definitely cleared now? Yeah, the copyright is cleared. Well, let's, let's, let's put the closing credits now. And then we can do the happy birthday afterwards. Then. No, no, no. You're confused. I mean, at the show on October 17th as oh, my oh, wife's I birthday. That, I also thought you meant right now. Yeah. Like, well, we could, I guess we could. <laughs> this is a weird request. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely can do that. What's her full name? Uh, Jacqueline. She won't be there. No, obviously not. I'd not, not should anyone. It's just it's going to be a terrible show. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, so Jacqueline alright definitely definitely, definitely will happen excellent and all of you listeners should come to that show uh, October 17th Monday October 17th yup and uh, hold hold me to that and I'd also like you to start plugging it on Twitter as Jackie's birthday show <laughs> <laughs> done I'll take care of that part thank you thank you very much we have to get going but thank you so much for being with us Steel Saunders thanks for having us on the fringes of show business very exciting Andy's job's finished now so we'll be bringing loads of these I got a 12 hour shift and 6am I am in the clear I'm done and we'll be getting back on a regular schedule thank you guys for being with us and thank you for listening we'll see you next week thank you everyone